Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. The pretty best of hey! Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Pretty Messed Up on iHeartRadio. Uh, I'm your host, AJ McLean, with my beautiful co-host, Share Bear Cheryl Burke, Hello. and the dashingly handsome Renee Elizondo. Uh, <laughs> so uh, we have a great show in store for you guys today. We have a very special guest. Welcome to the show, Dr. Romani. Thank welcome, you so much welcome. for having me. Thank you, thank you. My name is AJ. Uh, my co-hosts are Cheryl Burke and Renee Hello. Elizondo. Nice Pleasure. to meet all of you. Thank welcome, you. Thank you. Welcome to the thank Pretty you. Messed Up podcast. Uh, just a little quick backstory. So uh, all three of us uh, are in recovery. We are sober. Uh-huh. We've all crashed and burned, uh, some more than once. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we ended up out the other side. And uh, we started to do this podcast to basically talk about uh, and share our experience, strength, and hope, talk about recovery, talk about life on life's terms, and really Amen. just talk about mental health. So um, again, welcome to the show, and uh, I would love for you to kind of tell all of our listeners a little, a little bit about yourself and, uh, and what you specialize in, because yeah. this is fascinating. Absolutely. My name is Dr. Romani Dravasala. I am a clinical psychologist. I'm a professor of psychology. I've been a professor at Cal State LA for 22 years. I am also an author. I've written three books. I have a YouTube channel on narcissism where we get several million views a month, which speaks to how compelling that this topic is. And so 
a lot I'm of a my subscriber work, of your YouTube channel. Thank you, Cheryl. Thank you. <laughs> so I feel I'm, I'm very honored by that. <laughs> and so my work is really about educating people about mental health, because most people are never going to have access to psychotherapy or go into therapy, whether for reasons of stigma or lack of availability. But the reason I chose to focus on narcissism is it's a topic that is completely under addressed in the world of mental health. Nobody talks about it. And yet, once people understand it, they actually could really avoid a whole world of hurt. And so it is something that once you get it, this is not meant because what I want people to do is get it and then be able to set a boundary. And a lot of people waste time and hope. They think I can love this person out of this. I can change them. They're going to change. They're not going to. It's just a pattern that's resistant to change. And people can waste entire lifetimes doing oh, this sure. and going through these toxic cycles over and over again. So really, it's sort of like a, a mission to get people to understand this and then armed with that information, make better choices in their family relationships and their romantic relationships and their workplaces, friendships, you name it. Um, I'm just so happy you're bringing awareness to narcissism and narcissists because I I swear after watching a few of your um, episodes on you, on your YouTube channel, I was like, oh, wow, I've dated a few narcissists yes, and I've also sure. danced with a few yes. narcissists yes. in my lifetime. Yes. And it's it's um, nice to be able to, I guess, put a name to the, um, would you call it abuse? I think that when you're in a relationship with a narcissist, it does. It qualifies as with something we call narcissistic abuse, which is a sort okay. of ongoing cycle of, it's not how we traditionally think of abuse. It, it can mm -hmm. be, it can have violence involved, but often mm -hmm. not. It's very much emotional abuse where you're manipulated and you're gaslighted and you're minimized and you just sort of quite, Oh, you always live in a state of doubt and always live in a state of anxiety and keep blaming yeah. yourself and thinking it's you and not them. Doctor, so, can you, uh, AJ, do you mind? No, go, go, go. No, I was going to say, so narcissism is a term that's thrown out willy-nilly by a mm -hmm. lot of people. Someone's a little cocky. Oh, he's a narcissist. Yeah. Can, can you define it for us? Because I think there's a big difference between someone being overconfident versus narcissistic personality disorder or however yes. it's termed. Maybe you could yes. define it for us. Absolutely. Because in fact, being narcissistic is quite frankly, the opposite of confidence in many ways. So to be a narcissist is to lack empathy, to be entitled, arrogant, grandiose, a constantly seeking validation and admiration to be very superficial, um, to be very controlling, to be very prone to rage, especially when a person's frustrated or disappointed. Um, there's also a real sensitivity to criticism, but they can dish it out. They just can't take it. And all of it is really coalesces around this sense of insecurity. These are very egocentric people who are deeply, deeply insecure. So all of these defenses, the entitlement, the grandiosity, look how great I am, are all meant to be a protection against this really deep, core insecurity. And so that's really what the dynamic is. So yes, a narcissistic person may look cocky, but a lot often don't. They actually just look angry or mm -hmm. they just look unempathic. But the reason they sometimes seem like the most confident person in the room is because they're trying to overcompensate. Or charming, right? They're well, really like or charming. damn it, I guess and I'm or a women, narcissist. Not just men. Damn it. Oh my God. Finally, You're definitely been, one of my I'm dance partners though. <laughs> no, no, I'm the furthest thing from. But I will say this. I'm curious because, you know, look, 
as an alcoholic and as a drug addict, um, you know, I wasn't born this way. Okay. Um, this was something that was learned, whether mm-hmm. it was environment, whether it was low self-esteem, you know, Renee and I use a term piece of shitism, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I'm assuming in the case of narcissism, it's the same thing. You're not born a narcissist. Mm-hmm. You're not born a racist. You're not born. These are all things maybe by your environment, by your upbringing, by like, you know, a lot of these, these specific qualities that you just named, um, you know, that grandiosity, that insecurity, that have to be bigger than, have to be mm-hmm. better than, um, yeah, where do where do you believe in your studies for so long that it actually stems from? Do you mm-hmm. think it is environment? Do you think it is parental? Do you think it's nature or is it nurture? Like what where does it really stem from, do you think? It's developmental. It's it stems, it's a social developmental issue. So, you know, the most likely culprit is people who come there's a couple of different pathways at at one it's sort of in one one set of cases we see people actually who had rather traumatic origins but more than anything we see people who had childhoods characterized by inconsistency instability parental unavailability i'm not saying that their unavailability was that because they were working i'm saying they were emotionally unavailable they may have had all the money in the world and been home all the time Mm -hmm. it's being emotionally unavailable disinterested what you see are kids that are sometimes very overindulged materially they get stuff they get trips they live in a nice way but they're completely underindulged emotionally there's a detachment there's a detachment from the so so like from the parental side of things Mm -hmm. you know it's basically here i'll buy you this car shut up leave me alone Mm -hmm. and you're kind of have to fend for yourself Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it it really is that you know or maybe it's divorce or you know kids seeing like an abusive relationship you know, like people I grew in up like in a, the in entertainment business that always want va- validity somehow and like having to always be on. And do you find that there's more narcissists in this type of business than there are in others? Yeah. professions? Yeah. The, the entertainment industry probably has a, one of the higher proportions of narcissism it. because it's a validation seeking industry, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about look mm-hmm. at me, look at me, look at me. And while some people may say, oh, I'm trying to give back at the end of the day, they want to be seen first. And that's sort of an afterthought. You tend to see less narcissism in helping professions, right? Mm. So social workers and teachers, you're going to see less of it there because those aren't such heavy validation giving and not well compensated. I would say the same about politics. Absolutely. Politicians, that's got to be a real close second. Corporations, athletes. Celebrities, yeah. athletes, um, interesting. Yeah, uh-huh. and, oh. um, and corporations, corporate leaders. Got it. So, I can be, I, yeah. bringing it back for a second to alcoholism, mm-hmm. AJ, I think, I think it, the jury's still out whether or not you're born with alcoholism. Right. But mm-hmm. so I, I just wanted to clarify that. But my question is, is do you, so let's say schizophrenia, right? Mm-hmm. Is that something you're born with or is it developmental as well so there's no mental illness out there you're born with does that make sense every single mental illness out there even when there's a strong genetic component it's what we call an epigenetic involvement meaning that alcoholism is a great example addiction has a genetic component schizophrenia has a genetic component component bipolar disorder these are all mental illnesses where the genetic component is actually not insubstantial but even still 
every single person who has first degree relatives with those mental illnesses don't go on to develop them. And in fact, there are identical twin pairs out there mm. where one person is an addict and one person's not. One well, person has schizophrenia, say. one that does not. So yeah. it's both. You have to have both or you're right. never, it's never going to be purely genetic. That has never That's, been shown. Well, yeah. That's why I was saying I don't, for, for me, again, my opinion, like you said, Renee, the jury's still out. That's why I don't feel I was born an alcoholic, but I believe that something happened during right. my childhood or something happened as I was getting older that I decided to go down that path and it, and it, and it took me hook, line and sinker. I've seen families that have, you know, alcoholic parents that they have two or three kids. One of those kids ends up not being an alcoholic. Correct. Correct. Like Renee, it could be the same you know? thing about narcissism. Yeah. It could be the same thing. Like you're saying mm -hmm. it's, developmental as, as a, and it's, you know, it is based a lot about your environment. So doc, doctor, you're saying that the predisposition alone doesn't guarantee you're going to go down that road. It's, it's your nurturing. It's the, the, Absolutely. the, the traumas, yeah. all yeah. that stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I, my question also is I'm fascinated with this because I do, I do believe that Western civilization kind of fosters narcissism to a yes, certain degree, almost, re almost rewards it. Mm -hmm. but it does reward in, it. In our, in our line of sobriety, it, it says that we just have to get honest if we're going to find sobriety, if we're going to be able to get yes. sober and stay sober. It actually says in our book, uh, there are some who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves. Mm -hmm. Is is a narcissist constitutionally yes. in? So how does a narcissist better themselves? Right. So that 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 characterization of people who are constitutionally incapable of being honest with themselves yeah. that feels like more of a definition of narcissism than it does to me of addiction. To right. be frank with you, mm. and right. that constitutional incapacity to be able to be vulnerable, because honesty with oneself is actually vulnerability, isn't it? Yes. It's the yes. willingness to be able to face whatever is that thing that's bigger than you and say, I'm this, I, I, I'm, I can't do this, I am not this, I, this, is, this is what I, you know, this is where I'm, I'm weakest or more, most fragile. That inability to make that, that, um, that, that sort of vulnerability known because it, it is the core of shame, isn't it? Because most narcissists right. are shame driven. And the idea right. is that if the world ever sees their vulnerabilities, their weaknesses, that then they'll be completely overridden with shame. So narcissists spend their lives trying to avoid that shame reaction. Well, it's impossible to do because the first time someone calls you out on stuff and people are going to call you out on stuff. It happens to all of us every day. They sure. keep flying into rage because they cannot be honest with themselves because they really do feel that that if they pull away the suit of armor, that they'll completely implode. Do narcissists go to therapy, though? Like, do they mm -hmm. actually? So why do they do that if they don't want to better themselves? They go to therapy usually to handle an issue. Like, you, they've Got just it. had a breakup. Somebody filed a lawsuit. Their career is not going as well as they want. They're not getting what they want, right? Mm -hmm. And so they're hurt, and they're sad, and they're angry. And sometimes it's a, an ultimatum. A spouse will say, you get therapy or I'm out. You keep cheating, you need to get therapy. Mm -hmm. So they, but usually every narcissistic person I've ever seen in therapy came in because of a relational issue and usually mm -hmm. because a relationship ended and they didn't want it to end or they were shocked because a partner actually cheated on them 
usually right. they were the cheater right. and they were completely right. destabilized by that. And so they come in for that. And then it just basically becomes this entire victimized narrative of how right. life Got has it. been terribly unfair to them. Yeah. The first time the therapist really pushes hard for them to do deep, vulnerable work, that's often when they drop out. A narcissist yes. are about 60% more likely to drop out of therapy. Let me ask you, I'm just curious, can a, can a, can a narcissist be manufactured? Meaning like, for example, and this is look, this is my personal mm -hmm. opinion, our previous president, okay, right. actions of narcissism, actions right. and, and, then, and then narcissistic reactions mm -hmm. with his followers. Mm -hmm. um, is that manufacturing other narcissists? By basically following uh, a narcissist, are you being mm -hmm. then manufactured to become a narcissist? No. Okay. So here's the thing. You're not going to make this in adulthood. This is sort of where this person kind of was pretty well. It's almost like jello. The jello mm -hmm. was mostly set by late adolescence. Okay. Right. So if you have a good, solid, kind 40 year old, you're not converting him over to the dark side. Right now, if all of a sudden you gave that 40 year old endless riches and anything they ever wanted and say, we're your feet are never going to touch the ground and you'll have cars and drivers and chefs, Maybe they'll become a tiny bit entitled, but they'll they won't lose that core empathy. The empathy is baked in. That's like that's like you're not going to get that out. So the people who got manipulated by really um, uh, charismatic political leaders, those almost have the, they're enablers. They're almost like cult members. They're the ones who are following the leader blindly into the darkness, and they're pretty much parroting what the narcissistic leader is saying but they definitely don't have the same muscle behind them. I think though, a lot of people who are drawn to those narcissistic leaders, mm. I think a significant proportion are narcissistic themselves. Okay. And I think yes. the rest of them are deeply insecure and just want something to blindly follow because they, mm. it's almost like a parasitic relationship, like those fish that swim at the whales and sharks mm -hmm. and take their right. food, it, they're parasites. And so they sort of pull the power that the narcissistic leader is getting and they feel powerful because they're close or they're, following the narcissist. So you're leader. saying by 40, by 40, you said by 40. Oh, by, I said by 30, of... by 30. Okay, I would not, so. Yeah, by 30. Would, yeah, I mean. Would you I, say that it would actually maybe happen to like kids? Like for instance, I was sexually abused, right? And I feel like I was groomed. And I feel yes. like that's the time to really brainwash in a way somebody when you're in, I don't know, what, like four through 10 or whatever it is, years of age. Um, I'm just wondering if it's easier to do this to little kids in a way so that, you know, they do look up to adults and then they soon they they are basically looking up to these people who teach them, you know, good or bad. It doesn't matter as far as personality traits go. Is that something that like if your dad is a narcissist, would you end up most likely being a narcissist? Yeah. Yourself? So if you're yes, exactly. So narciss narcissistic parents either beget narcissistic kids or the most anxious, sad, mm. you know, um, insecure kids. And more often than not, narcissistic parents have anxious kids, not mm. narcissistic kids. Mm. So when, to have a narcissistic parent is a really painful legacy because you mm. never feel like you're enough. They mm. never see you. They never hear you. They never notice you. Yeah. And so most one. kids, yeah, most kids mm. walk out of that feeling like they always spend their adulthood trying to measure mm. up or they go after partners who are not interested in them. They keep playing out that parental dynamic. Yeah. So doctor, um, it sounds like all of your, your books, your, your 
podcast or your YouTube channel is geared towards helping protect the victims of narcissists, right? It, it, would you say? I would say that, yeah, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to educate. And I'll be frank with you, though, Renee. I do also yeah. have, um, I have videos that are actually like, if I, if you suspect you're narcissistic, here's 10 things you should start doing mm -hmm. right away. It's really good. You know? you watch. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that's what, I, Very that, that, that's my, that's my question is, is there hope for a narcissist, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, before you answer that question. So every narcissist is entitled, but not everyone that's entitled mm -hmm. is right. a true narcissist. Correct. So for a true narcissist with the disorder, is there hope for them? Is there, ha have you seen evidence of someone becoming less narcissistic because they did one through 10 or whatever treatment is? Is there treatment? <laughs> you know, okay. Know so, it, it, my short, if I, if you, if you force me in a corner and say you have to give me a one word answer, the answer is going to be no. But no, I'm going to tell no. you, hope is on a continuum, right? And mm -hmm. change is on a continuum. So, I have never seen the level of change you would need to create a healthy, sustainable, intimate relationship. I have seen enough of a change to make somebody a more tolerable coworker. Do you see what I'm saying? So the, the high stakes of an intimate relationship or even a close family relationship, totally, yeah. that mm -hmm. sort of shift in empathy but, and self-reflection, I haven't seen it. But are there are, are, uh, that one example of maybe making a coworker more tolerable, is that that they're kind of faking it then at that point or are they truly changing at their core? Right. I think that I think that what they can what can happen is I'm not sure how much of a core change there is. I think what you tend to see a bit more of is a willingness to stop, be mindful, maybe take responsibility, acknowledge right. like I can see which part of this is mine. You got to remember one of the big problems with narcissism is everything is so reflexive and reactive and right. quick. They lash out. They blame other people. Yes. They don't think about it. So you, I could be in therapy with them. And we'll have this pristine therapy room and there's no stress in there and we can role play. But when real life happens and they really get disappointed, they feel like someone's not nice to them or they feel like their girlfriend's not paying attention to them. That's when they have that snap moment. I have I do believe there's so something scary. I call a narcissistic rock bottom. And in mm. that rock bottom for narcissistic people, they take a look around and everyone's gone. Their, mm. their spouse has left. Their kids are no oh, longer speaking to dad. them. Their careers are shot. They are an older person living alone. Mm. Now, in still in 95% of those cases, those folks still blame the world. Ah, all of you make me sick, you know, yes. versus the 5% yeah. who say, maybe I need to take responsibility for the fact that mm. I, the only, I'm the one who's left standing. Mm. That's about how often it, and I still have to tell you, one of the most interesting cases I ever had was a person very, very successful. So this was not a person lacking money. So it wasn't down and out in that way, but who got to, later life, late 60s, had some of the most preeminent success you could imagine. And he then said, we went, did the work, and he said, you're telling me to push back on my narcissism. I have to care about what other people think. I have to listen to what they say. I have to always be on with this empathy. And I have to be present. And then he's like, okay, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm going to think about this. And for another week, we'd worked together for a while. And he comes back, he's like, I can't do it. He's like, I filed for divorce. I, I, if, if I, he's like, but here's what he said. I don't want to hurt her anymore. He's like, I do. I, he's like, I can't stand listening to this. I don't, her little stuff in life doesn't matter to me. And he had been mm. cheating on her. So mm. he's like, he broke, he got it. He filed for divorce. He left the woman he was having an affair with. And 
he actually did manage to make a little bit of inroads with his kids, which was interesting. But he, mm. he's like, I don't have what it takes to have an intimate relationship because he's like, I don't care. He's like, I don't have the bandwidth for this. Mm. And at my age, he was 68 at the time. Like, there's no way I'm going to get there. And he said, but I don't want to hurt people. So you know what? He's like, I'll hire someone to have sex with me. I got plenty of friends. I don't oh need God. this relationship wow. thing I feel anymore. like you just defined my real father. He passed away two years ago. Um, mm-hmm. Rest in peace. But he is exactly what you just said. Like, mm-hmm. he could only sleep with a woman once. Um, mm-hmm. And he owned a bunch of strip clubs in Thailand. And he lived in Thailand so that people wouldn't talk back to him because he was a very mm. successful lawyer here in the Bay Area and he was known for his, um, like, he reminded me of Trump, you know, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And it's scary because after watching your videos, you know, you're like, well, you, if you have a parent, but I, mind you, I wasn't, I mean, I was close to him, but it was more of a friendship, right? Because he left mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. my parents divorced when I was two. So like, how much, is there a chance that I'm a narcissist? No. No. So I think that what a lot of people say, well, this has got to run in families. No, not like I said, the majority of people who have narcissistic parents become insecure and anxious and feel like they're not enough. Okay. But they're open about that. So, and interestingly, narcissists are also insecure, anxious, and feel like they're not enough, but they overcompensate with all this entitlement and grandiosity and arrogance. Yeah. People, people who are not narcissistic, who are insecure and anxious, they just be anxious and feel like they're mm-hmm. not good enough and get into unhealthy relationships and try to fix themselves and fix other people. That's what do they you know, do. Do you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know I've known a few narcissists and what I find compelling is that they are the wrecking ball, but they accuse everyone else of being the wrecking Correct. ball. Correct. Correct. Which is just yes. like, how do you reach someone like that? Correct. You don't. And see, that's the that, thing is you don't. And I, and by the time someone gets into a therapist's office, like I said, they come in and they almost are, so, they, their, their grandiosity leads them to think that the therapist has a magic wand to tell them exactly the magical things to say to make everything go back. Mm. And when we say, no, this is time for you to do a deep dive because you're, this is, this is a two way street. You contributed to this or we need to do the deeper work. They'll often poo-poo the whole thing. They'll minimize the therapist. Say, this is nonsense. Give me a pill, doc. Like they're very contemptuous and dismissive of the whole process. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. 
Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. So as a recovering addict, and, you know, obviously a lot of addicts, they were the wrecking ball, just destroying things in their path all throughout their disease. Um before they got sober. Do you think that it is possible as an addict to have narcissistic tendencies, but never go full narcissism? Like is, is it possible or no? Mm -hmm. So here's one of the biggest struggles we have in substance in the substance use area, a significant proportion of addicts, substance, people with substance use disorders are narcissistic. Now that's on a continuum, right? And this is why we have that revolving door through rehab. The people who are narcissistic without substances, the vulnerability that's laid bare, it ain't going to work. So they're more likely to relapse. I have worked with so many families where there was a family member who was an addict. So I was walking the family through the process and they're like, great. They're going to go into rehab. They're going to come out. They're going to be sober and everything's going to be great. So because they were tired of the anger and the lashing out and the rage and the sensitivity and the hypocrisy and the denial, the projection, all they were sick of it. Family member goes to rehab. They come out. Now they're sober and angry and rageful and full of Mm. denial and projection like, what is happening? And I said, oh, honey, ain't no rehab in the world going to handle the narcissism. (laughs) And that's the challenge. Now, I think that narcissism really, really drops the likelihood that long-term sobriety is going to be sustainable. It's really, really challenging. Now, in in a significant proportion of people with histories of addiction, they're not narcissistic. They they find humility through the process of sobriety. And in fact, when you look, for example, at the, at the step of making amends, that making amends is almost impossible for a narcissistic person because yeah. they're incapable of taking responsibility for their wrongdoing. And it's such a critical step in recovery of any kind. But their incapacity to engage with a program is really what, because you're narcissistic, really, again, makes long-term sobriety almost impossible. And I'm sure all of you have been in recovery. You know the difference between an addict or or a person in sobriety Mm -hmm. who is narcissistic and a person who's sober and is not. There's a world of difference. I've worked with both groups. We have, uh, in our experience, I've been in, in, in the program for a long time, and it says the root of our problem is self-centered fear, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, mm-hmm. B- 
but we watch people outgrow their self-centeredness through doing right. the step work that we do. And a big part of it is being of service, getting out of yourself, right? Right, right. But if we get back to the narcissist, it's, so you're saying a narcissist has, is incapable of, um, or stays in denial. Like, you, like everything stays, we're talking yes. about right mm -hmm. now, everything we're talking about right now, all the symptoms, all the characteristics, all that stuff, they could hear all that and think that's not me. Right. Or, or do they that. hear it and go, well, I feel sorry for the narcissist, but that's not me. Like I'm above Correct. that. Wow. Right. How do you and that's, reach that's a person the like that? You don't, you don't reach them. And that's why it's so, so, so difficult to treat and why the people who fall in love with them or are their family members are so frustrated because they're saying, I don't know what to do. And I have to tell them, I pretty much give people two main principles, radical acceptance and realistic expectations. Mm. This pattern is so rigid, it's not likely to change. So if you're going to love them, you're going to have to love them around this. And don't sit yourself up for a fall. You've got to understand that this is going to be limited. It doesn't go deep. People who are narcissistic do not have the bandwidth for intimacy. They look no. at relationships as a place to get their needs met. They're what we call very instrumental relationships. They view people as conveniences to bring uh, them what they need, dad, whether yeah. that's power, pleasure, profit, whatever it is they need. They're going to relationships for that. Once they're done with people, they're done with people. So back in the day, back in the day, I there was one person I thought for sure was a narcissist. He, it seemed to have zero capacity for empathy. Right. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter. Death. It didn't matter. Dead dogs, whatever. They just didn't have it. And so but they could act like they're empathetic at mm -hmm. times. And I always felt like they were just trying to market themselves Correct. like self-aggrandized by saying, oh, I felt so sorry for this person. And then you realize you really didn't because the thing you said after that contradicts Correct. that. Correct. So my question right quickly, things. my question quickly is. Are there gradations yeah. of mm. narcissism? Could someone be a little empathetic just mm -hmm. here and there, you know, sprinkle here and there, true mm -hmm. empathy? So are there gradations? Is there mm -hmm. like a hardcore narcissist and then there's a mild nar narcissist? Mm -hmm. you're, get, you're starting to be one. Like <laughs> So <laughs> narcissism's on a continuum. And at its mm -hmm. lowest levels, you really have that person who's just the annoying party guest who kind of, sort of talks about themselves too much and makes everything about them and is sort of holding court. And right. they're not harmful, but they're annoying. Right. At the highest, most extreme levels, you're talking about people who are Machiavellian, almost seemingly psychopathic in how, in how cold and calculating they are. But you've got mm -hmm. to remember, too, that narcissism has subtypes, the different types oh, of it. Okay. What you, when you classically, what, the kind of narcissist we're largely talking about now is what we call the grandiose narcissist. These are the larger-than-life sort of salespeople, the impresarios. Uh, look how great I am. Come on and see my yeah. car. Let me show you my beach house. Look how hot my girlfriend is. That's the grandiose narcissist. But then there's something we call the covert narcissist. Mm. And the covert narcissist is also called the vulnerable narcissist. These are the folks that are really victimized. They feel like the world is out to get them. They're very sullen. 
They're very resentful. They're very brooding. They're not nearly as charming and charismatic. And, and they, uh, their entitlement comes out as a sense of the world owes them something. Mm-hmm. They're mad that they never got what they felt that they were entitled mm-hmm. to. And they're always just grumble, grumble, grumble at home. Then there are the communal narcissists. The communal narcissists are the people who actually put themselves out there and get their validation by ostensibly doing good things in the world. Mm-hmm. But the only reason they do good things in the world is to get validated and be viewed as a hero. But right. they're actually not very nice people mm-hmm. behind closed doors. The nice things they do mm-hmm. are to get validation. So their motives. Yeah. Their motives. Motive, it's, it's entirely yeah. a motive. And But here's the thing. It's not even just that a person can say, I like the validation of being a humanitarian, but then they're nice to other people. That's not what we're talking about. The communal narcissist is actually not nice to other people. Like, let's say they mm. were running a charitable endeavor. They'd be screaming and yelling at the poor volunteers. But when they were on stage at the gala, it would be oh, totally yeah. dazzling. Oh, my God. That's, That's pretty much half the entire music I mean, industry. How- yeah, <laughs> pretty well, much. right. That's what we said at the beginning, right? Like it's, oh, no, it's it, and I the mean, dance ballroom dance world, especially the men. I must say, I mean, I know that there are women narcissists out there for sure, but like, yeah. you know, it's it's all about the validity. Um, I have a question. So, how do you deal? Let's say you have a family member um, who is a narcissist, and uh, how do you uh, deal with them? Like, how do you do that without? Uh, what do you say? You, you, I guess I always, you know, you don't. I tell okay. people if it's very clear that someone in your midst is very narcissistic and it's really not amenable to change, don't engage. Like keep your engagement oh. very minimal and superficial. Goodness, this weather we've been having is so warm. How are okay. you doing with this heat? Like, can you imagine they yeah. painted their mailbox red? Who would want a red mailbox? It's all superficial so because the first time you put yourself out there and talk about something you're vulnerable about, they'll either be not paying attention or have contempt for you, or make you. fun of you, or fight you. Yeah. So you I know, tell people, don't do that. Don't engage you. You're going to get hurt. And I'm, unless you want, I mean, because you're just going to keep, it's just going to be a cycle that plays over and over again. I'm just, yeah. I'm just curious, really, because when you were talking about the the high, the high profile, very, very wealthy uh, client that you had, you know, by by them saying, I want to get out of this to basically protect these yeah. people that's showing empathy. I, I so, totally agree. I so totally then, agree. So then they're not cured necessarily, mm-hmm. but they are in turn showing some signs of, Correct. of recovery in I retrospect. Agree. So I agree. So then if somebody is, let's say on the lower end of the narcissistic totem pole mm-hmm. per se, uh, do they have a better chance of possibly being, you know, uh, recovery? Reco- yes, being being recovered as opposed to the lost cause at the top of the pole that there's just no chance in hell for. So let's put this in a sobriety framework, okay? There's not a day that the three of you do not commit to your sobriety, right? Sobriety right. is right. not a day and it's done and I'm finished. Every day you you it's you work. work your program. Every day you're committed to sobriety. Every day you realize this thing is bigger than you. And whether you use mindfulness, whatever, and you you draw together, whatever, you go to meetings, you work on it every day. That same principle applies to people who are narcissistic. They need every single day, every single conversation, every single interaction. 
mm-hmm. to pay attention. I need to value what this person in front of me is saying. This person in front of me is valuable. They're another human being. I need to reflect on how my behavior is impacting them every single time. It doesn't happen. This is such, again, you, right. all of you did it. It's possible, but you do the hard work every day. 70% mm-hmm. of people who go into substance use treatment will relapse, 70%. I think wow. if we had the equivalent of that for narcissistic people, 90% would go backwards. It's just really, really hard. Wow. So when a narcissist you know- wants to do a therapy session, are you like, don't waste your time? <laughs> no, I don't. And I actually have multiple nurses. I, I actually work with more narcissistic clients than almost any therapist I know. Got I'm it. fond of these people. I actually okay. am genuinely fond. Would I want to be married to them? Hell Have you ever no. dated one? Am I, <laughs> um, I have. I absolutely so you don't have to answer the question. You have? No, I have. No, you haven't. And, okay. You know, oh, yeah. I have. None of us are immune because we all have our vulnerabilities. And in my vulnerability, my own backstory, which led me to want to be seen, it was very easy for me to get sucked into love bombing, right? And then totally. I was like, yeah, no, you know what you, wow. you, Romani, you need to, you, you need to physician heal thyself kind of thing. But no, <laughs> I, they, they will never, um, if, if, if I would not want these people to be my friends, mm-hmm. does that make right. sense? I'm yeah, fond totally. of them the way I would be fond of anything so or anyone is vulnerable. I see them doing the work. I really do. And I can call them out because I'll tell them, they're like, I don't like what you're saying. I said, buddy, I got a wait list of a hundred patients. Yeah. You want to go, I'll fill in your spot like Good this. So you. don't do Girl. me like that. Do you yeah. know More what? power to you. Uh, doctor, I think I started dating my dad, which we're all narcissists. So that's, exa- that's we exactly all what happened. Yeah. Okay. Do you know, I was going to say, I, I, I do unfortunately have a, a history with someone that was very narcissistic, and and what I noticed was they're very manipulative, very mm-hmm. crafty, and they love to ensnare you in their web, right? Yes. So they create a web, and then suddenly it became, you're the only person I can talk to. You're the yeah. only person that gets me. You're the only person, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I gotta be there for this if I'm the only one. Uh, but it, but in, in retrospect, I could see, and now, now I could see it a mile away, when somebody mm-hmm. is trying to manipulate me to be mm-hmm. their savior, you know? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, first, A, I know I can't be, but I guess for me, the, the thing that, that's really illuminating, like I understand how to protect someone from a narcissist. Like I protect myself very well when I, I could see someone's manipulating me. But mm-hmm. I guess... If if someone is like a top tier narcissist, all we can do is create a distance between us and them. Nothing we're gonna yeah. say or do is like going that. to yeah. help them. No. Uh, Why are you, you looking yeah. at me, Renee? While you're saying all this, I, that's I, that's my question. How do you even you're know that he's right looking at, at you? Me, dude. <laughs> what, isn't that what a narcissist would say, doctor? Oh yeah, right. God. He thinks everything's about <laughs> Doesn't he have traits of a narcissist? No, no AJ, is, uh, look, yeah. let's be clear right No, now. AJ's definitely I've known not. AJ for over 20 years. Uh, you'll you'll have a hard time finding people more empathetic than... Non-judgmental. Like, yeah. A non-judgmental and empathetic. And to me, that's, that's what... When I look for friends, not that I look for them, but... One of the deal breakers for me is if someone doesn't have the capacity to empathize for the less fortunate, I feel like we don't, we can't really, we, we're not going to get Correct. along, you know? Correct. Or they have, or, you know, we're going to take that one step further. It's not even the not empathizing. It's also having contempt. 
And that mm. contemptuousness is a very classical part of narcissism, almost like, ugh, like that. It, it, there's something so dehumanizing about that. Mm. And that dehumanizing quality of narcissism is actually quite dangerous. You know, not even in close relationships is like, let's say it's, it can come off as snobbiness, Cheryl. So it could be the sort of thing where you're talking to someone and they're, they're, um, you're telling them your family's maybe from a small town in the Midwest and mm -hmm. say, Hey, you know, I'm going there. You want to join me? And you know, we live in this small town in the Midwest and like, uh, what is there? The only restaurant to eat there is like, what a Chili's. Yeah. I yeah. don't think so. Yeah. Like that. It's very, wow. it's like, it's, Icky. Like, it's one thing to make fun of it. Like, oh, I come from a town that really I do only love me diner. some chilies, though. Ooh. Yeah, I do love me oh, some chilies. I love Dude, me some saying. chilies. I grew up in a small so town. I. And this, I love going to all the small town places. So when people make fun of it, it yeah. hurts, you know? Yeah. And also, you know, so I'm thinking of my own self. That wasn't, yeah. It, that's... It's, it's not sarcasm, it's contempt. No. And I know it. Okay. Like, and you see this, it comes out. Renee had made the comment before. Maybe it was, I'm sorry, maybe it was AJ that you, you're not born a racist, right? Mm -hmm. I would argue that almost every racist out there is a narcissist because of their willingness mm. to just have no empathy for entire groups of people yeah. so oh, it's the yeah. same kind of origin yeah right. that makes a lot more sense it's Thank interesting you. to me that 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 again i had someone in my life that became contemptuous like you said and today i call people like that vampires because they're yes. seems like they're yes. trying to steal your energy I, yes. I, this particular person if i said spielberg he would say francois truffaut if i uh -huh. said scorsese he'd say fellini but it was always mm -hmm. talking down to me yes to yes, make yes. me feel less than he is less because he, is, yeah. he was feeling so mm -hmm. little that Correct. he was using me to kind of build himself up. Mm -hmm. yep. And you're and, right, yeah, today yeah. I don't, I, I look, I have empathy for people, but I don't have a lot of tolerance for people that talk down to people because right. it's only designed to do one thing, to make you feel bad. But it's Correct. all coming it's from insecurity, right? Yeah. It's all because they it feel is all like coming from shit. Exactly. Yeah. It is to, they use everyone as their own stepladders. Yes. You yeah. know, yeah. so they step on our heads to lift themselves up. And that's not that's not the grounds for a healthy relationship. And I think my goal has always been not that, you know, everyone should get out their pitchforks and hunt all the narcissists and be mean. I've to got them. a few. It's rather <laughs> understand, understand what they're about and what they're made of and that none of us are going to be the ones to rescue them. So cut them a wide berth and stop engaging with people who aren't good for you because this is not good. Yeah. So this looking, is not good dating, for run, looking, run for look, the hills. So looking forward, right? Let's say. There are people, it's baked in the cake, it's, it's just, that's who they are now. It's who they are. But, but AJ and I are both parents, right? We have young kids, both of us. Mm -hmm. And so what can a parent do mm -hmm. to not foster narcissism in yes. your child? A couple of things. You want to create a family environment that is, that is um, full of consistency, predictability, and emotional availability. Okay. And by that, I mean, I don't care how hard people are working in the time you're with your child, you're locking eyes, you're Love present it. with them. When your child is disappointed, you don't try to fix it, but mm -hmm. you let them cry it out. You never, ever shame emotion. Whatever mm. emotion a child is saying, like, you don't, you never say, don't feel that way. You don't need to feel that way. Say, 
sweetie, tell me more about that. Let them cry it out. Let them see your tears. Let them see your vulnerability, especially as fathers. Children need to see men's vulnerability. And boys so often get the message and have their emotions shamed. This entire epidemic of narcissism, so much of it is in us shaming emotion in men. And we have to allow boys to show emotion and not um, pathologize that emotion. I think it's allowing, it's loving children unconditionally, not feeling the need to steer them in a specific direction of their interests if a kid doesn't want to play soccer don't say well what's wrong with you it's rather it's fine figure out that way to harness what interests them and cultivate Mm -hmm. those interests don't judge your child i mean this all seems so basic and fundamental but in order to be that kind of a parent you need to be in touch with you have to be willing to be vulnerable you have to be willing to be present what you're saying that's vulnerability especially in the asian in the Asian American culture, my mother's Filipina, you know, it's not something that um, no. they show, right? So, and then with my father being a narcissist, it it's all I had to really learn um, that vulnerability yes. equals courage and yes. not yes. Um, weakness. Mm-hmm. Correct, correct. And I was I grew up in a South Asian family. There's a lot of, I mean, okay. you're an immigrant's child. The aspirational bar is so high. You oh, you don't God. want your kids to have had the struggles you did. And so there's yeah. very much, you have to do this, you have to do this. And if you don't do this, then you mm-hmm. failed, you know, versus I have the luxury having, you know, having done those hard yards with my own children mm. to say, this is, you know, my job as your mom is to always give you a soft place to land. Mm. That's me. And the rest is for you. And this is always here. You go take the risks. We want to raise kids who are willing to walk far away from the nest with their hearts full of empathy Mm -hmm. and with a really strong sense of self. How do you feel about this? Like next, this next generation, this new generation of, you know, kids, you know, now TikTokers. (laughs) well, not the TikTokers, but no, but even still Mm -hmm. people that actually are not staying silent anymore. People that have a voice, people that have a emotional connection to each other. um, Do you feel like, where we're headed with this new generation that there may be less of the, of this narcissistic epidemic, or do you think that's it's, it's, it's kind of throwing darts in the dark. It's just going to keep happening and it's never going to just subside. You're saying which way is it trending? Yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. I'm more worried than not worried. And I'll tell you why we have created a world where validation has become not only everything, but it's become bread and butter at this Mm -hmm. point. And I, I have to say, social media has become a very dangerous place because not only does it leave a lot of young people feeling deeply insecure and wondering if they measure up, self-worth is being measured in followers and likes Likes. and validation and all of that versus this building of an, you know, a a strong core sense of self. And then, you know, again, they grew up with it. Now I have to say, as I look at kids who grow up with it, one thing that my, my own daughter sometimes costume me, they're like, you know, you've got to stop, you know, sounding the warning bell all the time, mom. We grew up with this. We're not getting our self-worth from this. Mm. This is how we communicate. Mm. You know, okay. she's like, my daughter will say, this girl is so beautiful, mom. I don't mm. look like her. I don't feel bad about me, but I'm really happy that she's pretty and she's mm. having a good time. And I was like, you're, you're less broad than me, but she grew up with this. She grew up with this imagery, yeah. right? right? But I have yeah. to say that 
social media for vulnerable kids is getting to be a dicey spot. I do have to go to your point though, AJ, and I really agree. You said something very wise there in that this is a generation that is giving more permission to emotional connection, right? That they're actually being more open with emotion. We're seeing more conversations about mental illness. I think that we're destigmatizing some of this. People, therapy is becoming more norm, normalized in larger and larger swaths of people. So I think for as much as I'm pessimistic at times, there's also an optimism. So I think we're going to have to see where this all lands. But the challenge is, is that too many of the spaces in our world is, are right. incentivizing no, narcissism. I, and look, I totally agree. I've always had this weird fantasy in the back of my mind. And I know in my gut that it would be anarchy. But it's still an interesting thought. If all social media were turned off, for 24 hours. Oh, I would That's be it. amazing. Just 24 yeah. hours. Every single possible Facebook, all of it, Snapchat, People Instagram, to look at each all other. of it, 24 hours. How would we as a society right. handle it? How right. could right. could we? Everyone could we actually home. handle communication face to face or on the yeah. phone? Yeah. Or you know what I mean? Like it, or would it literally turn into World War Five? It would and, just be another quarantine. You know, <laughs> yeah, I think it, it could well, be. Yeah. 24 hours we do it. Because listen, I think we could take, I think what, what you're suggesting is fascinating. It's not for subgroups, but the whole population. Yep. You know, I, I have to say, I mean, think of how news got transmitted through the world when we were children, right? Like we didn't hear about things that were happening in other random mm -hmm. places. So right. it would... I, I do think it would rattle many people. I also think that the way people interact with their phones is almost quite addictive. They're constantly just sort of it picking it up. Like they're it's just like a, it's something mm -hmm. they're jonesing for. Like it's like a kind yeah. of a squirrely kind of a this. Oh, my thumbs are the strongest you part of my cut body. Everyone's right thumbs now. off. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and yet, and yet it's become such, it's been so tied in, it becomes so tied into what people do. But I have no problem with it being tied into how people work. My problem with it is that it's getting tied into people's sense of self-worth. Yes. That's when we've gone I to the dark. our dog. generation right. maybe is the worse off, if you think about it. Now that you said that, doctor, you know, um, because it, before, when I started Dancing with Stars, there was no such thing as social media. It was message boards. Mm -hmm. And, you know, mm -hmm. it was my mother forwarding me like, oh, well, he said, she said, I'm yeah. like, oh, great. But then, and then now, because we were born before the social media generation mm -hmm. i think we look more for val validity through maybe the likes than your daughter for instance correct correct and there's actually research that shows that people over 45 or 50 actually use social media in a less skilled way and more of a transparent let me get validation than people who are younger who it almost became like a they're they're called digital natives actually those children who okay. grew up with it they're like we're just using this to like i'm amazed when i watch my daughter quick quick snapchat this like they're just communicating about really banal things right. it's not about self-worth like it's a way i might even say pick up some milk you know like right. it really has that feel to it versus yeah. this big heavy because in our generation all of a sudden for people for the first time they're able to get validation this way. I think actually more people over 50 messed up their marriages on social media than people totally. under 30. Mm. Do you know, Facebook. Yeah. It, something you said, it's so true. Everything you said is so true. But this one thing that stood out is that it's, it's become sort of monetized, right? Mm. So there's, you're, there's a PBS documentary called The Like Generation and they kind of mm. delve into all of this stuff. But it even uh, Black Mirror did a whole thing where 
the whole currency is how many subscribers right. do you have? How I many thumbs up mm-hmm. likes mm-hmm. do you have? And I do, this isn't the first time we've talked about it on the podcast. I, 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 I am very concerned of the next generation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I see it happening. I see people obsessed with how many followers they have. You yeah. know, and then yeah. it, it seems okay as long as your followers keep growing. Take away those followers; these people are going to go into deep depression. They may because it's because they've been. It's become again that sense of self worth, and if it has reliance. become yes, right. If they're reliant on it, but it also robs a, a person of a certain authenticity. Right? You've created this false self, and you have to then live in this false self. And we know that from a mental health standpoint, living in your false self is a really unhealthy place to live. Oh, and think it, it's about a form of social- narcissism. Think about social media also as a breeding ground for narcissism. Oh, I mean, very much. I so. mean, it is literally you're you're feeding it, uh, you're feeding the beast right. by right. you know certain right. people how they are on their on their social media, what what they do to get that attention and right. continue to do and get bigger and bigger with. You are literally building a small or or huge narcissistic army of followers. Um, have you ever seen two narcissists married like together all the time all the time are they like perfect for one another or no not at all so what ends up happening is when two narcissists get married it's it's a um these relationships tend to be very volatile um they really go well as long as everything's going like almost like they're at even keel or everyone sort of stays in their lane but when one person starts succeeding more than the other Mm somebody always cheats right one oh, succeeds the wow. other one cheats it's like a formula oh, and so wow, really they, um because they're trying to they're, they're jealous of the partner that's doing right. and they want better. to hurt them and, okay. and people who are narcissistic have a lot of fears of abandonment so this idea that one person is doing better than them but you'll always see like as long as things are kind of motoring along and they're well matched but by and large that much ego and that much need for validation Like there's, you know, narcissistic relationships run on narcissistic supply at some point, you know, you can't just, it it, it can't work because there's not, both people can't always be feeding each other. One needs more than the other, but if one does better than the other, it's over. Mm -hmm. If both parents were narcissists and had a kid, would they be for sure narcissist, a narcissist? No, if two narcissists had a child, that child could run the risk of being extraordinarily anxious. They actually would also, that child would have a high risk for addiction. Because I think they'd probably try to self-soothe um, mm, through um, either right. medication or drugs, yeah. alcohol. Yeah. AJ, so, just quickly, the, my fear comes from one specific example. Someone AJ and I both know, we won't say her name, but she stayed at, at my house with my wife and my daughter for a month. And she's, she's on Instagram and, and it's all all in with this, the validation, external validation, the, the sort of the sexiness and whatnot, right? And then one day, what while she was living with us, she came in, uh, back home and she said, uh, this guy asked me out on a date at the bank. And I said, oh, cool. She goes, no, you don't understand. He hasn't even seen my Instagram. And that's when, for me, the alarm bells went off, like, oh, oh my God, you're defining your existence, your self-worth, you cannot believe that this guy would in person ask you out right. without seeing yeah. your your uh, curated, photoshopped, mm-hmm. well-lit presentation mm-hmm. to the world. Mm-hmm. That's, for me, this was about five years ago, and that's when the alarms went off for me. I yeah. just went, whoa. Oh, yeah. 
it's it's a it's a, it's a it's a real scary thing. But um, listen, we would love to keep going and talk. We're not going to stop. No, we're not going to stop. We're going to keep going. Ten thousand sessions but, with you. <laughs> but, but unfortunately, we we do have to have to wrap up. But uh, Dr. <laughs> Ramani, you I mean, wow, this is it's it really is such an work, interesting yeah. such an interesting it is concept it really is. And, and and difficult too it's tragic because it a lot i, did, I couldn't put work. a name to my, what my dad was until just right now so thank you at least that actually oh, helps you. um with a lot of closure you know and doctor <laughs> truly watching all of us right now we all have so many questions and that's not always <laughs> the case in our podcast oh, good. We're like, we're yeah. like, like i know for a fact we could keep going the rest of the day with this because it, it really i think it's a it is a sort of what's the word i'm looking for it's a sort of tumor in society do you yeah. know and and so mm-hmm. thank you for bringing light to this sort of thing yes my pleasure i hope we can do it again someday yes absolutely thank you so much thank you again thanks for having me thank you so much nice to meet you all of you take care cheers bye-bye now cheers bye-bye bye bye wow so crazy dude i had no idea i thought my dad was just an ass but he's a narcissist he was rest in peace if you're I think all narcissists thinking. are asses, but not all asses are narcissists. Are narcissists. Yeah, no, I but my father, I'm telling you, he is exactly what he's ex- what she was explaining about that yeah. man who was 63. That's exactly my father. They're yeah. very good at emotional abuse. They really are. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, mean, I know. Well, it's yeah. crazy. Like I never realized how many. Now you know, listening to the actual you know, medical breakdown of all the, of all the character traits to what a true narcissist is, man, uh, hundreds you should, of people You should look at her life. YouTube channel, man. Oh my God. I it's can't crazy. Even, there's so many people that I just thought they were assholes. I didn't think anything about, wow, maybe they could be a narcissist. I never thought that now. Oh yeah, I do. Do well, you guys think you know, I'm a yeah. narcissist? No. Huh? I don't think you a just, narcissist AJ's like, would, what? Yeah, no, How do I no. answer this? No, and not to make light of it, but I tried to imagine a circle of narcissists, like Narcissist Anonymous, and, oh, that's a good <laughs> and everyone's one. just pissed. There should be. <laughs> the but no one would ever show up. I've got it worse. Like us. It's all about me. Well, yeah. listen, guys, we're going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, we are going to get to one of our favorite parts of the show, reading your emails and answering some questions. So stay tuned here on Pretty Messed Up on iHeartRadio. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snag a Job is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. All right, you guys. So uh, we are back from break, and we have a very, very interesting question. Uh, and this is from Anonymous. So uh, we have no idea who it's from. So... Uh, this is a question for all of us. Um, making amends are a very important step in the 12 steps. Who do you all currently owe an amends or an apology to? Let's start with you, Renee. Well, I think I don't owe an amends to anybody right now. Oh. I've, I've made my amends, and what we were taught to do That's part is of that the steps, we'll, right? Well, it is, and... and if there's a new one, we're also taught when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, right? Mm -hmm. So if along the, right now I don't know amends to anybody, but if later on today I were to speak to someone in, in a way that they didn't deserve, I would as quickly as possible say to them, I owe you an amends. You didn't, you didn't deserve for me to talk to you that way, right? I won't, uh, I'll do my best for it not to happen again. Although I these days I I don't talk to people in a way where I feel badly. If I have to put my foot down, I don't lose sleep over it. If if let's say it's justified for me to say, hey, you know what? When you did this, it hurt my feelings. Um, it's, it's different, you know. If so, anyways, I don't owe amends to anyone today. But, but it's scary when you do, when you do, right? Like when you have to say that and have the courage to say, I'm sorry if I hurt you or. Right. So the whole process is trying to get rid of what we, what we say piece of shit right? Like doing things, being the wrecking ball, no longer being that person anymore. When you're wrong, promptly admit it. And we make amends often on the spot, you know, mm -hmm. um, Unless but, it can hurt someone else. Well, yeah, that's a whole different you, thing. When, you when, when, you're going, when you're going through the steps, there is a part that says, in, unless when to do so would injure them or others, some of those things you've just got to go, like, 
confess to your sponsor or a priest mm -hmm. or something like that because the way my sponsor put it you know it's like you don't want to take the rock off your chest and put it on someone else's chest right you understand yeah. even so, if it was just a joke well no look if if there's jokes it, uh, but they're taken wrong, it's nice to be able to clarify them. Yeah, no, yeah. you're right. Well, speaking yeah. of, yeah, I definitely, yourself. yeah, well, you know, I'm actually on my YouTube channel. You can obviously see more of my apology there, but I am, the one thing that I feel like I truly regret and I want to make amends uh, with is Ian Ziering. Um, I was completely out of line. Here's a little backstory. A few years ago, and I did a podcast where, you know, they were asking me who my favorite partner was and who did I hate the most. And I answered Ian Ziering and I said something along the lines of, I'd rather slip my wrist than dance with Ian Ziering again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would say there's no excuse. There was, you know, no, no matter if it was a joke or not, I know it hurt him. And I know it hurt him and his family, and it was a big deal. And people still continue to ask me the same question, like wanting me to answer it the same way. Um, and I'm here to say sorry. I truly am so sorry for um, for being so um, inconsiderate and just talking, trying to basically get a reaction, you know, and putting him as my punching bag, really, mm. you know, at the end of the day, when someone does Dancing with the Stars, especially a celebrity, um, it, they are already going on the show being vulnerable. And just because, you know, maybe I don't necessarily, let's say we don't get along for a couple of days, you know, I just took it to that next level of just nastiness. And I was so nasty. And, um, and I'm here to publicly apologize to Ian nice. and his family. And I know it hurt him because he actually went up to Tony Davalani, um, one of the OG dancers who's no longer on the show. But they had a flight just out of coincidence together. And they were sitting next to each other. And he was explaining to Tony how hurt he was. And he didn't understand because he thought that, you know, we were good. And I even wrote great things about Ian Ziering in the book um, that I wrote a long time ago and so it must have come out like out of left field for him a little bit um and i know that people are still trying to get me to say that but you know i lost a lot of respect for myself um when i said that and um it haunts me to this day you know well cheryl we all say things to be sarcastic to try to be funny sometimes they don't doesn't go well mm -hmm. right in your case mm -hmm. It's something that bothers you. Have you ever been able to talk to him in person? No, I haven't had the courage. That's why I asked you well, about that. Here's, if you don't mind, unsolicited advice. Mm -hmm. um, I would pick up the phone. I would call him and just say there's something that I've been wanting yeah. to tell you in yeah, person. Sure. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you, it, the, here's the trick. You cannot do it with expectations of how he's going to respond. You're yeah. not doing it for that's that what, reason. That's when I get too scared. See, mm -hmm. you do it because it's the right thing to do, yep. right? And that's the only and, reason why. And when we do amends, sometimes they go well and sometimes they don't. But what at least mm. you do is I tried to write it yeah. and you, you're, you, then, then you could let it go, mm -hmm. right? Then you could let it go. Um, I would imagine that he it would be a very welcomed call. 
Yeah. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And and I think that I'm sure he blocked me. Would, well, I'm sure you could get in touch with him. You if can you find tried. ways. And yeah. and I just think you'll end up feeling better. I'm sure. Yeah, no, you're right. Because I can be say it all welcome. I want now, and then I can say it all I want on my YouTube channel, but I'm still not really making amends until no, I call. You're right. Yeah, you're you're not really going directly to the source. Mm-hmm. Um, no, you're but right. You're but right. I think it's awesome for... that you're mentioning it on yes. this podcast. Because it well, it's us... just not who I am, right? I'm not a malicious person, and no, I never no, was. You're not. You're so, not. It, and it's. It, but I definitely part... did it for validity because it was like a. You know, it was just because of the, I don't even know. There's no excuse. I just, yeah, I did it, it and, I, mo- and I. On the moment. Yeah. But yeah, that's, that apologize. is the beautiful part in all of this is that we all make mistakes, right? We got to mm-hmm. get back to that. I made a mistake. I'm not a mistake. Mm-hmm. And the way we oh, rectify yeah. some of these things is we call mm-hmm. the person and we tell them how we feel. And if it's sorry that you said it and own you're part of it. You've already done it on the podcast today. You were, you're trying to get a reaction. You're trying to be funny, trying to be sarcastic. And, and yeah. it's bothered you ever since. Yeah. I don't even right? think I should say that. I think there's just no excuses, you know, like I just, I am, I'm truly sorry, you know? Yeah. yeah. I think that as would far, go a long ways. I mm-hmm. think it will too. As far as me, I, I, I have a lot of amends to make. Um, I'm not quite there yet in my in my 12-step program i know that i will have an amends tomorrow i already know this that i will have to apologize to renee for whooping his ass on the golf course so i already oh, know that that's god coming. that is Wait, coming. did you guys play golf without me we haven't well, played we golf haven't in yet. like a month yeah but tomorrow oh. unfortunately moving, but tomorrow, yeah tomorrow but it's on we'll oh, thanks have for your the masks invite. Well, he, the thing is, he had he got a twosome at a different course, so like literally, he had to, it's only him and I, and other friends are pissed at us too. The golf all the time that he made a twosome reservation. Renee, can you wear my outfit at least? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think he would look good in that sweater for sure. I I'd be down, it's and his I would colors. probably. You know, I would fit. The tank top version. <laughs> yes, it's, a, it's, it's almost like, the, like wearing the actual tank top. All right, you guys, listen, thank you all so much. Uh, again, thank you to our amazing guest, Dr. Ramani. Um, thank you yes, so thank much. You. Uh, to all of you that are listening to the show, please hit that subscribe button. Give us five stars like you always graciously do. Thank you so much. And uh, we will be talking to you all next week. So yeah. you all be safe out there. God bless. And ta-ta for now. Bye-bye. Follow Pretty Messed Up on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. 
If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 